Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of this episode of Move. Jamie, are you ready? Dude, I'm always ready. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be inspired, which is our word that we love to use. Let's do this. Part two of Move. I realised also that I was becoming less and less motivated, and it was I was worried that then that would reflect my team because if I wasn't that motivated. I was finding it really tough then how must they feel so I knew that I needed to change things so I obviously needed to close it around first because it just I know everyone finds fundraising difficult and then um when I closed it the beginning of this year I decided I was going to travel more I was going to do more focus on more creative things and that's why I promoted my commercial director to COO because she actually unlike us (laughs) loves managing people and loves like operations and numbers and goals and things and so I I let her have that sounds like we need to steal her yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's true though you know it's that having that self-awareness of understanding what actually your where your qualities lie and I think that's the hardest thing um is realizing all of those situations you know I had to learn a lot of things about my own abilities in the workplace and Ed likewise other way around uh what did you realize were your best qualities but what and I think you mentioned you weren't very good at numbers but what other qualities do you realize you suddenly went okay you know I'm not that good at that and had to sort of delegate is that the right word I think it is to other people and take on yourself yeah I think anything to do with um yeah numbers <laughs> organization I, I can do all I can do all of these things but I'm just not the best uh, and I think actually my biggest realization was that I am not the world's best writer. I'm a good writer, but there are much better writers. So do you out still? There. Do you I, still, I write, still write every now and then, uh, yeah. more online than in print. But okay. But I think that was quite a funny realization for me because I'd always define myself as a writer or a big reader. Yeah. And so then to go away and be like, oh, actually, you know, who am I? Like, what is my skill set? And I realized that I am creative, but in a more general sense, rather than being like very specialized in one area. But what also, and I, and I may be wrong in this, is that I would say that you are probably not the person to... Uh, you know, you spoke about how you were hiring the wrong people and things like that. I think in every single business that has always happened. You know, it's happened to Ed and I, it's happened to every single one where you have to get to a decision at some point where you either have to let someone go or or change the team around. And how did you manage that? And how did you do that? Because probably I don't think it would, from what I know of you, it probably is not in your nature to suddenly go, I don't think it's anyone's nature, but you know, to suddenly go, right, I need to change the team and I'm sorry, you're not here and you're not here and I need to do this and that. How did you find that as a process? In the beginning, I found it so difficult because especially when my team was really small, it felt really like a family. And so if anyone went, it was like a really big deal. And I would spend like, you know, weeks building up to it, get really upset. And I'd have to also be learning, you know, the legal process because it's really a fine line to strike between being not doing something that people come back and sue you for (laughs) and then also being empathetic and kind and doing it in a human way and I feel like that's taken quite a few years to learn how to do rather than just writing like a you know really formal email like to actually have a conversation with someone and um now I realize that I think I had to make the realization that my team are incredible people and they're probably all friends with each other and feel like family but they're not my friends and that's a, that's a very big uh, point because 
I think that's what everyone starts to realise. And it goes back to that, you know, Ed and I are very lucky that we are very good friends and we've worked together. But people say, well, I'm going to go and start a business with my best friend. And we're best friends. That means it's going to work. But in fact, actually, that's normally a recipe for disaster because in the workplace, yes, you work them. Yes, you're a family. But at the end of the day, they're not your friends. No. And you have to kind of remember that. Well, I think it's like you're lucky that you've, I don't know, if you've had any ups or downs being friends and working together, but that you're still here is obviously a testament to your friendship and work, being able to work together. But things do really change. I guess it's the same as if you're a couple and you're working together on something as well. Yep. It's difficult to then switch from one mode, which work mode, to then just hanging out. Um, and it's the same with my investors. I actually said no to a few friends that wanted to invest because I, I thought it would be a change the dynamic between us that we'd be hanging out and they'd suddenly be like oh how are your numbers doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah you don't need that (laughs) please but then if and following if i was going to ask you then what makes a good boss Mm -hmm. in your eyes and how do you balance work and social life how would you say those two well how would you what would you say to those two things i think being a good boss is about being human i think i realized that this year i think you need to have a vision obviously and you need to lead um but it's about recognizing what qualities people have in your team and also and being able to bring out the best in them and then um interact with them i don't know you need to inspire them and interact with them on a on a basic more human level rather Mm -hmm. than you being on some higher level and then them all kind of scuttling around below and i think it's quite easy to get kind of swept up in the in the the big picture the fund the next funding round or or speaking to investors or whatever it might be and forget to kind of almost forget to care which sounds really obvious but it's can easily be done you know we're in 2019 now and you've done your fundraising you're in a position where how many people are in your team at the moment so about 40 14 people in our team full-time and then we've got about three or four others who are working on projects we've got a media agency as well so we produce content for clients and how does the revenue work within the business now Mm -hmm. do you have you have because you started just as print did yeah. you know right at the beginning and also weirdly enough you started at a time of print when people were going oh everything's going online yeah. so you kind of did it that way so where what streams of revenue do you have and from from different areas is it just from magazine is it from online as well is it from different advertisers how does it work um so actually when we started there was this, yeah there was kind of all the dinosaurs were going extinct so all the big kind of heritage magazines but there's a rise in independent magazines and there's still that's the sales for independent magazines are still going really i had no idea about that because mm-hmm. i was i've always been under that impression but it's the same with television which is so funny i you know people always say television's dying but 92 percent of people still watch three hours of television a but i day. think it's probably changing format so you maybe watch shows on netflix rather than watching a show on no real TV terrestrial channel. television mm-hmm. that's still, still as in the television that really? not, not netflix and things like that and so it's funny that you say that about the the people were saying okay the dinosaurs are dying out so that gives an assumption that the whole industry is going but in fact it's not it's, no, doing it's just well. like the household names that you maybe knew before and then it's making they're making way for new brands to come in so when we launched then there's a whole surge of other independent magazines and they're still going well and um and the same with websites um i think the quality of content is increasing so much more which is so nice to see and the magazine generally sells in kind of traditional brick and mortar retail yeah so the print magazine sold in like news agents all over london um and then 40 other countries and then um our Biggest sales points are uh, airports. When people are traveling, they want to read about travel. 
and then also cute little independent stores, galleries, places like that. So we make money from print magazine. So we do individual magazine copies and also subscriptions, uh, advertising, events, uh, and then also content creation. So that we launched a media agency two years ago. Um, so we work with lots of brands to create content for them. So it could be anything from running their social media channels to making brochures. But also, but also, you know, this is the other thing that I don't think we've worked out is that when Ed and I were dealing with retailers, whether it's Tesco's, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, oh my Lord, was it hard. It was very hard to deal with any of them. And especially what we had is we had to prove that our product was good, that we had longevity and all these different things. You're saying you're in retailers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sort of uh, news agents and things like that, which are, yeah. you know, with Waitrose, it has 252 stores nationwide. So that, if you get them with them, that's already 250 stores straight away there. With you and the news agents, that's each individually owned. You know, they, obviously there are differences. How did you get into those places and expand that way? So one of the first things that I did was to get a distributor. Uh, I had a friend who actually met in interning independent talent uh, while we're recording the podcast and she was working for another magazine. And I said, Ooh, Ed, who distributes you? And then she gave me the name. And so I emailed them and, um, another email. Yeah. <laughs> so you love your emails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just email. It's like to hide behind them because yeah. I was too young. No one knew how old I was until we launched. Surprise. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's that, it's that term, you know, just keep bullshitting until you can bullshit no more, yeah. right? That is the truth about it. Is that a term? Well, I don't know if it's no. quite the same. Fake it until you make it. That's from Eric, our, our, one of our producing sound guys. But it's true. And that's what you were pretty much doing. Mm. Because that, but that's what everyone is doing in life. You know, people who go into broking firms or go and work in agencies or go and set up magazines or go and set up suites. You are at the beginning just, you're, you're treading water until you learn to swim because you have no idea what to do and that's what everyone's doing yeah I think one of the best things I did actually with suitcase was to just launch it as soon as I could and spend not as little money as I could on the first product because honestly I didn't have any idea how people would receive it and then when it was a big success then it was a good time to then you know adjust the product or spend more on it and I see a lot of people developing these ideas and getting obsessed with them and not launching them for years because they they need to fix things and make them perfect. But then when they launch them, they haven't thought through like one basic user behavior. And so then it fails. And even though they spent millions on it or thousands or whatever it is. Um, so I think it's often good to just put out a basic product first. Just yeah, try yeah, okay. the market. Kind of popular in the tech world, that minimal viable, minna minimal viable product yeah, yeah your quotes but, even, but even, with fashion, yeah. <laughs> even with fashion you could you know make a small capsule collection and try that out first and see if people actually like it your friends or yeah. whatever but good advice yeah but but also you know if you had to firstly how how would you define success and if you think suitcase magazine is now successful when was that moment where you started to realize you were gaining success with it um i think i think it was when bigger brands started approaching us to work with us. When you mean bigger brands, you mean a brands which are kind of res- respected more? Whether yeah, the like Estee a, Lord is a and brand that I'd seen a, you know, around London on a billboard or I'd, or I'd used a lot. So I think when, I think Rolex was one of our first bigger brands that you know came to us and said, oh, we're really interested in working with you. Can we do something? And we're one of the first, we're one of two brands ever to make some make a creative like article with them 
Um, wait, that's not really. We were one of the first brands ever to do something um, creative with with Rolex because they're such a they're, they have such strict brand guidelines, and the only other magazine to ever do that was the Week, and so Incredible. that really put things in perspective. And it was so exciting to build something with them. But I think success now. I. I'm surrounded by friends who are, you know, really successful and building these unicorn companies and things. And that I realized that there's no point in me comparing myself to them. I think success for me now is really about doing the best that I can at every step and making sure that I actually enjoy the journey because there is no big end point. There's no, I mean, maybe I'd sell the company, but then what? Um, so making sure that I'm actually enjoying it every day and also that we're doing the best that we can for our readers, that's success for me. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's exactly where you actually are just enjoying yourself all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not crying. I'm actually just <laughs> had something stuck in my really, really struck you. a chord. Yeah, I really <laughs> resonated that moment within me. But also, you know, I think for us, when Ed and I got Waitrose, I remember I was in New York, weirdly enough, going where, where you were, but I was in New York and he told me it was a huge moment for us and actually incredibly emotional. I assume when you got your first paycheck as well mm-hmm. for, for your magazine from an advertiser. That must have been a huge moment for you. Yeah. And, and can I ask how much it was? Or? I mean, our first advertiser was probably like 200 pounds or something but like still, that. But you know, still, you know, 200 pounds so wasn't an incredible validation feeling. Of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, somebody wants to pay you. Yeah. And that's exactly. amazing. You get that thing and you come and you're like, oh my God, that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, what is the future for Suitcase Magazine? Um, so the future at the moment is definitely very digital. So we... We want to reach as many readers as possible. So at the moment, we're really good at inspiring people to go on different journeys and to, to um, yeah, to inspire people to go on different journeys. But I think my, my end goal with it is to really make it as easy as possible for people to have incredible experiences when they're away. And I don't want people to have to resort to going to the same places like everyone in England goes to Spain and to France um, or to safe places that... And, you know, package holidays. So I want to give people the tools to be able to go and do something a little bit different and to feel excited and secure enough in the knowledge that they're going to do something good. So at the moment, uh, we're actually redesigning our website, which will hopefully launch um, the summer, um, the summer slash autumn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it always yeah, takes longer than you think. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and to make it as practical as possible. But also with you, you know, it doesn't just stop there, Serena, you as an individual is pretty incredible. I mean, the amount of awards you've won, um, which are just unbelievable. And Ed and I were lucky enough to be in third, uh, Forbes 30 under 30 as well. But that's the only thing we've done. (laughs) You've just done bundles and bundles more. You've done amazing stuff with UNICEF. You've raised uh, over 750,000 for them, which is incredible for the hashtag. uh, Cook for Syria. Cook for Syria, which is incredible, which... Um, if you explain to our listeners what that's about. Sure. So um, Cook for Syria was a movement that I create, I co-founded in 2016 to help children that are being affected by the war in Syria. And I wanted to do something with food because food has no borders and it's, you know, the lowest common denominator between different cultures. So I created this campaign called Cook for Syria with the food blogger and Instagrammer Clark and Wild Boy and um, Gemma Bell, who's a big PR, food PR. And um, the idea was initially just to do a big dinner with lots of famous chefs like Jamie Oliver and um, uh, Otto Lenghi and uh, 
Angela Hartnett. We had all the all these big food names, and then um, word got out. So we ended up creating this big campaign that uh, we had dishes on on the menu in different restaurants where money would go towards UNICEF. We created uh, two cookbooks. Um, this baker called Lily Vanilli also got involved, and we started a bake for Syria strand of the whole campaign as well. And then the most uh, amazing thing was that people started doing supper clubs in their own homes. So they'd take the recipes from our website or from the cookbook, and that was how we raised actually the most money, which is individuals. Incredible. So it kind of really projects. kind of ran away with itself. Yeah. Was, and presumably that was just bigger than you ever no, could I think have imagined, it, or was it, it? It was mainly because of the power of social media. I think if yeah. the chefs hadn't shared that they were involved in the project, then not as many people would have seen it. Um, but it was incredible to see how quickly just it spread. And was that for you kind of a complete sideline to Suitcase? Or how did you kind um, of So some of the, the team in Suitcase uh, were involved, so they helped with all the branding and everything, and we published the cookbooks. So it wasn't a complete sideline, but it wasn't like a natural <laughs> everyday fit. I definitely yeah. lost a lot of sleep. Over. Well done. It's but, an amazing cause. But I suppose what Thank there you. is, is that um, if you if you are CEO of a company, there are other things you can do. You're not destined to, to, to be doing that one thing. You can start to create different things and using resources and using th- individuals from yeah, your own exactly. business. And I think that's a really key point that people think, okay, if I'm in this job or I'm running this business, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. It doesn't need to work that way. You can do so many different things as you're showing you, you're one person, you're doing so many different things. Yeah. I think uh, one of my good friends runs a direct to consumer mattress company in the States, one of the big ones. And it's so successful now. And he's got it to a point where it's just kind of running itself. So now he's going to start his own, a second business, which is completely crazy. But I, I guess you don't, just because I started this doesn't mean that I can't do other things as well i think the next thing i really want to do is focus on the environment i think i really need to do something well we need to save this till the end uh but before we ask you the final question (laughs) what advice would you give to any entrepreneur out there any person out there who are wanting to start something and particularly anyone who is wanting to start a magazine company um i think if anyone wants to start a media company think about uh where, what platform would be best for your audience, whether that's a podcast or whether they're best reached on social media and start there first. Uh, there's so many free resources now and then really work on building that channel. And then once that gets bigger, then start introducing, you know, if you started with Instagram, then start introducing a newsletter and only introduce things like a website and a, a print magazine after you've got a critical mass of readers uh, so you're building slowly and you can show traction and test ideas. Good advice. And what advice would you give to just any entrepreneur out there? What advice have you taken mm. in life where I read somewhere that you said, um, where was it? I wrote it down somewhere. Um, rather go and try something than feel life with regret. And I think did that's, I say that? yeah, I think you did say <laughs> that. that. Maybe wise. I made that up. Are you sure that wasn't you then? <laughs> yeah, sounds like a Jamie quote. Yeah, yeah. YOLO. <laughs> I think I just read it. But, but you, you, did you say that somewhere? Is that just me saying that, that you just go and try and do it and, and actually just go, like you said with suitcase, the best thing that I did was just go out there and do it. And yeah, a lot of people think, don't do that. I think, um, I think that's totally right. And I think you don't, don't be afraid to try something and also you don't necessarily need to quit your job to, to try something new. I think a lot of people are scared about the financial risk of starting a business, but you can actually 
it, it takes a bit of extra work, but you can start your business whilst working somewhere just to make a bit of extra money. And then you can go part time if it becomes successful and then eventually leave if it's really going well. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so really, really interesting. And mm-hmm. every guest that comes and chats to us on the podcast, mm-hmm. we ask one final question, the same one every time. If you could go and start a completely new business tomorrow, forget Suitcase Magazine and do anything you wanted in any field, what do you think it would be? Um, well, I've always been very interested in medicine. So I think I almost became a doctor at one point, um, but then I got B's in biology and chemistry. So <laughs> <laughs> cut that dream short. I actually worked um, with, in an emergency room and, and in a hospital with premature babies at one point. Um, but I'm really interested in genetics. And I think that's such a, an undiscovered and untapped field. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd probably be doing something along the lines of that. Super cool. Sounds better than my one. (laughs) (laughs) Serena, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It means a huge amount. Uh, Wow. Well, well done. (laughs) Serena, thank you so much. Founder of Suitcase Magazine. Thank you very much. And I can see you just sitting there feeling very excited. Inspired. Are you inspired right now, buddy? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, that was cool, eh? Do do you know what I love about it is... um, I think Serena sort of, it sort of relates to me a lot where she just likes to, and you as well completely, where she just likes to get things done. Go there, do it, let's do it, let's make it happen. Whether it's working for UNICEF, doing suitcase, whatever it is. Uh, Incredible person. And so many things she spoke about. One thing that is sort of a running theme throughout these podcasts is don't keep everything to yourself. She said the same thing. She had an idea and she spoke about it to everyone, but she... Totally, just go and tell everybody. Don't tell everyone. I couldn't agree more. Now, uh, what we always like to do is we like to mention two points within the podcast that really kind of sang true throughout. Uh, two points. What is your point that uh, you really think is valuable? Um, for me, it had to be Serena's love of emails. You know, she's just happy to email anybody, no matter whether it's asking for advice, asking how to do something, or even you know her whole email database asking for people for investment, essentially, and trying to keep her business going. So. For me, that's something that I think we've probably done quite a bit, but could probably do even more of. Just get out there and ask people a question um, and call me old-fashioned, but perhaps even better than email is picking up the phone, speaking to people face-to-face. I think now, these days, everybody kind of hides behind a keyboard or social media, whatever it may be. Just get out there, start talking to people. And you always say to me, never take no for an answer. Just go, go, go. A hundred percent. I think if you go into a situation thinking people are going to say yes, you've almost kind of already got the wrong attitude. Write that email and really, really think about that what's this person going to think when they receive this? They're not wanting, they're not sat there waiting for an email from you. Give them something that really commands a reply. Going on that theme of emails, you always say, write the email and send it the next morning as well. That's another good point that I had to learn as well. Yeah, particularly the angry ones. <laughs> uh, right, my one was uh, launching, She it wasn't in these words, but she said launching uh, your product uh, in the simplest form, don't worry about making it the best it possibly can if you can't afford it. Which is basically what we did, right? Which is a completely what we did. You know, we launched our suites. They weren't the best possible. They didn't look the best. Uh, but don't worry about it because you can develop them further. And you're going to constantly develop your packaging, your suites, everything. You know, we are eight years in and we've changed the whole range to vegan and we're looking at rebranding at some point. And that would be the third time we rebranded. So just get out there, go and do it, go and get it done. That's what I think. 
Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move.